This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Hello folks, this is Adam here. Welcome to episode 7 of the How You Going Mate podcast. My very special guest this week is actually the other half of How You Going Mate, the uh, the driving force, some would say, uh, my my lovely and wonderful wife, Barbara. Uh, now, of course, Barbie is, uh, for those of you that don't know, she's the one that does all of the writing uh, on those incredible Facebook and Instagram posts that you see. So any of those um, really fantastic words that you see, uh, more often than not, 99% of the time, they're her words. And uh, I'm simply the guy that uh, uses the, the fancy computer program to turn them into um, memes or even... Uh, uh, other stories, but Bob does a lot of those writing, and of course, uh, in this podcast, uh, I guess we talk about a few things. We talk about her own uh, history uh, with her own mental health, uh, talk about some of the people in her life that have actually experienced uh, some mental health issues, and, and part of the uh, reasons why she uh, is involved in the mental health uh, are the Hey Game Mate podcast and uh, the Hey Game Mate Facebook and Instagram pages. Um, it was it's a revealing chat, and uh, if uh, for the people out there that are listening to this, I guess uh, hopefully what you hear is a lot of things that you can relate to in terms of uh, uh, mental health, anxiety, um, dealing with anxiety, when, uh, particularly in post-pregnancy, and also uh, I guess the way that we can start to um, understand our own mental health and, and look back on it, particularly in and around um, mental health uh, as children and where that, some of these, some of our, maybe our struggles with mental health comes from. Like I said, it's a fantastic chat. Uh, we would love for you uh, to jump on and let us know what you think of this. So when we post this, please leave a comment in the comment section um, on Instagram or on Facebook, or please um, jump on to Apple iTunes and leave a review. Uh, you can go on and like the Facebook page, How You Going Mate. You can also do that with uh, Instagram. It's the same. It's How You Going Mate. Um, again, please like, share. We would love for you to share the pages. And, uh, and as I said, leave us a little bit of a feedback about what you uh, want to see. If you're listening to, uh, if you want to listen to this, if you're not sure about how to listen to it, uh, of course, iTunes, uh, you can jump on through the Facebook or Instagram pages and listen via Wooshka. Or, of course, if you've got an Android device, you can listen on uh, CastBox, which is the, the, the um, app that basically operates like the iTunes podcast, the Apple's podcast app um, uh, for Android devices. As I said, this is a fantastic episode, um, a really interesting chat that I had with my wife, and even I learnt some stuff, I guess, that uh, I, I got some insights into uh, Barbara that I didn't understand. So if, uh, without further ado, let's ask Barbie the very simple question. Barbie Lee, how you going, mate? Good, thank you. <laughs> Good, thank you. Uh, now, just, uh, we need a disclaimer from the very top here. For those of you that don't know, the... Uh, the, the voice, the other voice you're hearing, 
and this podcast is my beautiful, beloved, betrothed, my beautiful wife. And the other half of How You Going Mate, a lot of people think How You Going Mate is actually a, a bigger organisation than it actually is, and it's not even an organisation. It's the two of us uh, putting, putting things together. And a lot of the time, it's... Majority of the time. They can't hear you whisper. Uh, it's um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the written content that you see um, is is Barb's work. All and of the stories. That's her forte, the written word. Uh, so we get I get her to do m- most of that, and we collaborate on the photos, and and then I put it together and we post it online. So whenever you whenever you read some of these words, they're Barb's. That's what that's the the message we're putting out there. Is that that. That's true. That's true. That is true. Mm. So this is a weird one because Barbie's, of course, my wife, and lucky me, <laughs> lucky me, and uh, it's it's you know so it's, it's different a little bit. But we're gonna we want to sit in the lounge room in our pajamas. Well, you're in your pajamas, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I can't do my in in my pajamas with anybody else. But Barb said to me. Treat this like any other podcast. Ask me the same questions. I'm going to ask you the same questions. So question number one that I ask everybody. What does mental health mean to you? That's a big question. Um, Well, mental health, I believe, is something that we all have, whether we have good health, uh, good mental health, poor mental health, or we fluctuate somewhere in between. Um, I believe that mental health is just the same as physical health, uh, just in the same way that you would have, um, you know, a skin condition or a, or a health condition with your, your heart or your liver. You also have a mental health condition um, at times, whether it's um, it's something that you've been born with or something that has been as a result of, of major trauma in your life perhaps. And I think also that mental health, the foundation for mental health comes from um, your childhood and it can be something that, you know, have you, it can be a trauma, as I said, or it could be something that you're just more susceptible to developing as you, as you grow and as you, you, you get older. Um, and for me personally, I um, discovered when I when we had our daughter and I went through some difficult postnatal uh, depression and anxiety, I discovered that I'd actually been suffering from anxiety and different forms of depression probably since I was a child. And in saying that, I didn't have, luckily for me, I didn't have a trauma, a traumatic childhood by any means. I didn't have a trauma that that became that that led to me suffering from mental health conditions Uh, I know that a lot of people around my age and and in adulthood often have um, mental health conditions that they're dealing with as a result of things that have happened to them um, traumas that they've had in their life I haven't been in that position I, I was from a I'm from a loving family and I had everybody around me were very caring and giving and loving and and we even had, you know, back in the 80s and 90s when you live in a community of people, you don't just have your own life and, and you know, our neighbours were our family and I had 
I had extended family that I loved as well. So it's something that um, that I believe I I was born with or susceptible to, just in the same way as people, you know, someone that has bronchitis all the time, you know, has has poor health in their lungs, you know, or someone that has, like I said earlier, dermatitis or celiac or mm. something to that. Sort of pre-wired. Yeah, it's already it's already in there, yeah. and so it's just a matter of you know things that's go- that can happen that will will trigger those those things. Yeah, um, I've said to you, and I've said on the podcast a couple of times, mine was genetic. Hmm. Um, you know, my mum, my, my my grandfather, her father. Um, I'm certain that it was genetic. I'm so I'm absolutely positive, and it was just a matter of unlocking. Go back to the, you don't, and I'd agree with you, from what you've told me, your childhood was pretty fantastic, and we're not going to get into the any of the details of, of stuff now, but mm. in terms of, your, you know, getting into the teenage years, what would you have said as a teenager that you, what do you think, what do you, what signs do you think you showed that you had anxiety and depression? Well, like I was saying, um, when I I found out that I had it from a childhood, through my childhood, from um, when I was going to a counsellor for the postnatal depression and postnatal anxiety, I was actually retelling a story from, I think, from when I was about six years old. And the counsellor said to me at the time, you have actually suffered from this from, from a child. You've had anxiety since you were a child. And she said to me, you know, because kids don't worry about that stuff. Mm. And I and it hit me because I was like, oh, don't they? Because I just thought that that's what, well, what, what kids, was it. Oh, I think it was worrying about the family finances or something like that, or something crazy like that. Dad, Dad have you paid the electricity about. bill? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was something like that. I was just like, it was something, you know, that yeah. sort of way that um that she said to me you know, that's something that kids don't worry about and um it struck me it struck me and it ma- and all of a sudden everything made sense when i look back over my teenage years in particular and and into early adulthood where um there's a lot of times in my life where i've just been scared to do everything and I haven't, haven't put myself out there, and I haven't gone to places and done things that I could have been doing with my friends or going, travelling and going overseas and doing different things because I'm scared that something terrible is going to happen and and it's going to happen to me if it's going to, you know, that's mm. that's the the fear that I've always had, and I look back now and I, and I talk about, think about you know, the first relationship that I ever had, I was an absolute punish, I would imagine. Because, because and you're saying you're an absolute punish now. What are you talking about? Um, stop it. I never, I never said that. I could see it never, going through your brain. Um, but I would have been because I know that back in those days, 
I was like an old nana. I'd be like, I can't, oh, we can't go out. Like, like it's, oh, it's 10 o'clock. We've got to go home. We've got to, I've got to get home. Oh, we can't stay out late. We can't be, uh, I can't go down to the river with all our friends and have a bonfire because the police are going to come and we'll get arrested. We weren't going to get arrested. Nothing, we weren't hanging out with juvenile delinquents. We were hanging out with regular kids that were just like us. But I was like, no, 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 I can't. I can't do that. I can't do that. And so I can imagine when I look back and I see different things in my life that have taken place, like where I've had arguments with people or I've had falling out with people or, or I've, you know, people have gone, oh, you're such a drama queen. I'll oh, just get over it. I'll just, you know, what are you worried about? You know, stop carrying on. You know, all those things over the years, I look back and I think, well, that <laughs> the way that I was was not because I wanted to spoil people's fun or be a stickler or or be a handbrake like they like to say about women, about girlfriends. Oh, here comes the handbrake. No, that's not what... You're not a handbrake, you're a kill switch. <laughs> Stop it. But that's not what I, I was. It was just came about from total and absolute anxiety. Do you think you were excluded from your friend group? Do you think you were excluded? Mm. Like you said, um, people would think, oh, you're a punisher, this, you're that. Do you they think didn't always were, think that. No, but do you think you were excluded because of that? Do you think people uh, wouldn't have wanted you to have you around because of that? Uh, possibly sometimes. I, would, I, I, I know particularly of people that I've n- never spoken to again who I know saw me like that. And that's the... Um, that would be, you know, but, but they didn't have the understanding of my... of what my situation was and I don't think obviously even I didn't have the understanding of what my situation was at the time and um, I think the important thing to remember there as well that was now you could argue that the understanding of mental health is better but still not fantastic but in the 80s and the 90s I can't remember people talking about mental health when we were teenagers no not at all having any conversations around you know and, and not to be Really honest. I mean, looking back now, probably could say yeah, I knew some people based on what I know now, but mm. I can't remember anyone that that had, you know, a depression diagnosis or an anxiety diagnosis or a, no, or any of those sorts. And of it things. wasn't it wasn't talked about at all, and it wasn't understood, and it was more like, oh, you're just being oversensitive, or you just, you know, um, and 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 it's not in a way that your parents or your family want to dismiss what your issues are or anything like that it was there was just no real understanding towards that uh, around that type of thing and so you you where you just get told oh you know you just just get over it you got to get over that you got to stop worrying about that like well I wish I could you know so and that's something that that has kept going you know has stayed with me through my whole life is is you know well I can't do that because all these terrible things might happen. So I catastrophize all the time. Stay with the late teens and the early twenties for a second. Do you? Do you now regret that? Do you, do, yes. Is there a part of you? Is there a part of you that you go? Well, I regret that I missed out a lot of stuff because my anxiety wouldn't let me do it. Yes, and I miss out on the fact that I came across in a certain way that I actually wasn't wasn't so much that straighty one straighty 180 yeah well yeah i'm well known for being that but i'm not always that and 
um, like I, I, I remember a few weeks back when you spoke to Eliza and Eliza has the similar sort of anxieties to what I do and she said something that amazed me is I'm not even though she has this crippling fear of flying she's not going to let that stop her from doing great things in her life Mm. so she's got the complete opposite tactic to what I have of going well I'm just not going to do it at all and um, I think it restricted me a lot I think it it um um yeah, like you were saying before, you know, you sort of get ostracised by some people. Other people just are your friends and they're your friends and they love you regardless. Um, but they still go, oh, she's carrying on again. Oh, here she goes, Drive McQueen, you know. And so, and I regret those times because I look back and I go, oh, God, I could have done that differently. But it wasn't, it was my my whole body that wasn't allowing me to do it differently, not just my mind. Um because you straight away get this, oh, I can't do that, like this. It's like a a physical reaction to an emotional problem or a, or a, or a mental problem. So here, touching on Eliza's story, one of the points of the podcast and one of the points of, for me, discussing mental health is that, <clears throat> pardon me, is that we, 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 we tell our stories and the, the the point isn't to sort of sit there and then go, you should do this. But the point is, we tell our stories and somebody hears what someone like Eliza says and goes, you know, I never thought of that. Or I never thought of doing that way. Or that sounds like a really brave way to do it. I might do that as well. You know, she very firmly tackles her fear head on. Um, she has support to do that. She usually mm. travels with somebody. The trip that she spoke about on her mm. edition of the podcast was her first um, time flying on her own for you do you listen to a story like that and go I can take something away from that like or mm. is it yeah definitely I like listening to everybody's stories <coughs> and and I like telling stories and I like listening to everybody's stories and I I really do take away from that and um, and yeah and that's not to say like even though I had I've lived through my life with this this anxiety that's sort just always there. It's not to say that I'm constantly in that state. So it's you know, there's your logical brain and then there's your anxious brain. And there are times where my logical brain goes, Oh cool, yeah, no worries, everything's cool. And then, you know, like the, a time when I remember early on when you and I first were together and because as we know your your phone is an extension of your arm and one day you didn't answer my calls and I called you a few times and you didn't answer. And I was, I absolutely thought you were dead in a ditch somewhere because I was like, <laughs> well, you, know, don't, you can't laugh time, about that sort of thing. She, at this time she wishes I was. <laughs> but the, and, I, and I called you, I remember I called you about 20 times in about the space of two or three minutes and you went off at me. You And this is what I'm talking about how I mentioned earlier that you have um, you know arguments with people or, or you know people get frustrated with you and angry with you 
but your reactions you're having is you can't control that. It's just something. And you're like, what are you doing? You've called me 20 times in five minutes. I'm like, yeah, but you always answer your phone and I thought something had gone wrong. And Well, nothing's gone wrong, you know. So that wasn't me being, you know, clingy or anything to you. That was me being, I've got to work this out because at this time point in time, you're one of the most important people to me at this moment. And I've got to make sure that you're not dead in a ditch somewhere. That's that's what my and I and I remember times over my life yeah. where I now I've what done she that. does is rings it if I don't answer. She goes, "Oh, oh good, thank, <laughs> thank goodness he's probably dead in a ditch somewhere." No, I don't. Think that. <laughs> Can you stop it? Oh, goodness. Um, <clears throat> I, I've said this. I don't know if I've ever told this to you, but I've said this to a few people. Um, you don't do this anymore. Actually, you no, don't do no. this. But when you used when people would leave here, and you would make them message you when they got home, yeah, and you don't do that anymore. I don't know why. Sometimes I do. Yeah, no, I've no, I've not seen you do it at all. Well, I've, I've grown very, up very, then. very rare. <laughs> You've changed. <laughs> um, but I remember I used to think to myself, "Who is this chick? Like, who? Why would I message you when I get home?" I didn't mean, he didn't think that her. after we were married. He I thought was, that early on. Yeah, early on. <laughs> I thought. Yeah, she just she's checking up. She's making sure that I'm going where I'm saying I'm going. So, I'm not you know, having an affair. She'll give me 25 <laughs> minutes, and then if I haven't called her, you know, where have you gone to? Whose house are you at? Where are you? And um, and so I would message or I would call. And initially, I thought it was just me. Like I, I genuinely thought you were being just a clingy. That's what I honestly thought. And then I noticed that you did it to everybody. Yes, your correct. parents, your brother, your friends, anyone that came to your house, your auntie, your uncle. They come to your house and you would say, message me when you get home. And um, your, your mum's your, your mum's response is my favourite where she would say, I'll message you if I don't get home. Yeah, she's <laughs> a, that's her automatic response to I'll, me every time. I'll call, I don't need to, but I'll call you if I don't get home, okay? <laughs> yeah. But you, you you have stopped doing that and I don't know if it's a maturity the, thing or if well, you just this is something, doing it. This is something that I've lived with forever because I know when I lived at home with my family and I have a younger brother and I would, when he was, you know, a teenager and he just got his license and he's going out partying and whatever he's doing, I would lay awake at night and I don't think he knows this, but I would lay awake at night every single night that he was out and I would wait for him to come home and I couldn't sleep till he came home. Till I heard his car come in the driveway, I heard him come in the house and come up the stairs. Then I go, okay, now I can go to sleep. And it would be all hours of the night whenever he would decide to come home. And that would, I couldn't, I couldn't go to sleep without him home. What if he stayed out? Um, if I knew he was already out, that was okay. Would you, would you make him, turn, like, you've got to message me? No, <laughs> I don't know, probably did. I probably would have, <laughs> oh, here she goes again. Oh, jeez. Bloody Bob. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's the sort of thing that I, I've always dealt with over time. And even though I've had all these issues, <laughs> these anxieties and things, it's not stopped me from being, you know, an independent woman who was able to have a, a relatively good career and, and you know... Um, um, you know, bought my own properties and lived on my own. I lived on my own for about 10 years or something ridiculous like that, which when you have anxiety and depression, it's not not 100% of a good idea some of the time because it's very easy to just isolate yourself when you're living yeah. by yourself, um, which I often did. So times when I would struggle with life, I would 
often come home to my parents' place if I was living by myself. And, um, you know, I, I know because you and I didn't meet till quite later in our in our life, we were, but yeah, we we were nearly thirty three. We we still looked a little bit still hot. Thirty three. We still looked a little bit hot, but yeah, we were but a bit rough around the edges. Yeah, but bit, um, bit flub, bit flabby. <laughs> you were, but um, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, like there were times where I was by myself, living alone, and so I would, you know, have you'd have relationship breakups or issues or whatever, and I would that would be a big. Um, source of or a trigger of depression and things for me because I wanted to you know obviously wanted to have a family and I wanted to and and time was ticking away um so there were times where my parents would come and pick me up I remember you know being in a really bad state one day and my dad coming over and basically almost picking me up off the floor in my unit and saying you're coming home with us and I just went home to my parents' place and lived there for or stayed there for three weeks or something until I felt better about life again. So, you know, there's it goes up, but it, like I said, it didn't, but I'm still, I was still able to, you know, go to work and be confident and do all the things I needed to do, but then come home and, and just be in this terrible state all of the time. So, besides. Going back to your mum and dad's place, genuinely. Mm. What else? What else would you do to get your mental health back on track? I'd go shopping a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I had I had a, a routine where I would go on a Saturday morning. I'd go and have a massage. Massages are really good the, the, mm-hmm. at the uh, Chinese massage places that you go to in the shopping centres everywhere. Yeah. Um, I would do that, and I'd go and always buy myself something <laughs> buy myself some sort of um clothing mm-hmm. um and i don't get to do that very often now no i don't stop but you i know you don't but it's just now you know my money goes to the kids and whatever but mm-hmm. it's not about money though but um yeah and i just i used to like go, driving a lot when i was on my own i would go dr- long drives I'd drive to Kayama or I'd drive somewhere I'd just go in my car and, and yeah that would what sort, what, sort of, what sort of car <sighs> it was a jazz it was a jazz a Honda Jazz and I love them I know you do anyway it's not about cars <laughs> <laughs> it could be <sighs> only if they're good ones um, what else what else did you have what else nothing nothing really what's the thing um, so the key to mental health and and being well is having a, a set of tools in your toolbox. And it's part of what I want people to get out of this is to have to listen to the various podcasts, to listen to various points of view on, on mental health, to have a little tool in their pod in their little back pocket. So the couple of things that you've described so far is, of course. Um, just engaging that that pleasure part of your brain because buying something and getting massages gives you that pleasure response. Mm. And um, eating chocolate. <laughs> and eating God, can't you eat chocolate? Um, and also the connection because I think one of the things that, and I've said this a few times on the, um, the various podcasts that we've done, um, is that connection is uh, so important, you know, mm. 
craving that connection to other people um, and and not feeling as though you're alone. Um, I yeah. always wanted to have that connection with other people and but, but I often found that I would just be unless I unless I tried to go out and say hey let's get together or let's do this let's yeah. do that I could be just sitting in my by myself for weeks and nothing happened but even um more so like part of the what to talk about when what I think about when I talk about building connection so what we're starting to do now and what we're starting to see and you're seeing it as well you're getting so many of your friends where because we're being so open and really authentic about talking about our mental health people are now seeing that they you know some of themselves in us and they can come and talk to us mm. um and they can and confide in us mm. but what we're slowly starting to build is a, a network of people where we can have those com- real conversations about mental health we can have those real conversations and you know people like eliza and, and nathan and craig and elisa last week can can come onto the podcast and can talk about what they're experiencing, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, um, how they're, you know, Steve as well, I don't want to leave him out, you know. But so when I say connection, I'm not talking about just, you know, the the superficial connection of going out with your friends to Coogee Bay or anything like Mm -hmm. that. I'm talking about the connection of, you know, your parents, whilst they may or may not really understand the mental health side of what they do, what you do, they do understand the emotional support side of what you do and what you craved in that instant was emotional support. I think mm. what you get when you have a group of people that understand your mental health and you can talk to your mental health about is people that will support you emotionally. And as Nate summed it up really nicely in his podcast, they're not going to try and fix you. They're just going to listen to you and tell you what they did to fix themselves. And if you want to use that, you can. So hence the comment about Eliza earlier on where you can say, you know, maybe you can't tackle those problems head on or maybe there's something in what she does that you take away from that and go, well, I've got to, you know, yeah. I, I can do that too. And I think also me as a <coughs> as a person, I've always attracted people to me who want to share their stories with me or share their 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 issues that they may be having because I tend to have always been someone that my friends and people that I know have come to for advice and through my work as well I've I've um I've done that for a lot of people and in, in many many cases I was often probably the only person that they could talk to um in my work sense you know the people that I worked with I was the only person in their life that they could come maybe in in a lot of cases and and speak to about it so I've also always been open with that and I always would make the if anybody shared with me that they were suffering with anxiety or depression or anything like that, I would always say, well, I, that's what I go through as well. Mm. And so I wouldn't, I was very open in that sense because I wouldn't want people that I was working with to feel like they were alone and, and they were suffering on so, in something that they couldn't manage or they couldn't handle. So I've spoken about it in that way for a lot, a lot of years. Um, and, you know, it, it's funny because when you have that anxiety situation, you know, as I was saying earlier where I used to say, oh, it's 10 o'clock, we've got to go home, you know, because um, something bad's going to happen. When I got older, it wasn't until I was like in my mid to late 20s 
that I would be, I'd go out every weekend and I had this great, I was with my brother and our friends and we'd go out every weekend and, and I felt safe because I felt safe probably with my brother there, but also in the group of people that I was with, I felt comfortable, I felt safe and I'd go out till four o'clock in the morning. But in saying that, I, I was the designated driver. I was not drinking. I was going and, and, and taking everybody everywhere, making sure they got everywhere safely. So I was in control of that situation. So for me to feel right about and safe about doing that, I had to control that. And people would go, well, "Why aren't you drinking? Are you going to have a drink?" I don't. I don't need. I don't need to. I'm fine. You know. Mm. And but there were times, and then occasionally when I would say, "Okay, well, I'm going to drink tonight," I would actually make sure beforehand that I knew how I was getting home who I was going with and making sure that they were, were, you know, it was all sorted out mm. beforehand so I didn't get to be in a situation where I was going to get arrested or get, get that. I mean, that would – I can't even imagine. <laughs> if, you, if, if, if in the course of this podcast you told me that you'd been arrested, I, that would shock the absolute hell out of me. Yeah, I'm a bit too straighty 180 for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that's and I found and I used to laugh at myself because I think, gee, I remember when I was, you know, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, when all my friends were going out and and doing whatever they were doing, and I was home being a nana or wanting to be home being nana, going to bed at ten o'clock. You know, that was all happening, and I was like that. And then in my late twenties, I'm like, yeah, I'm out till four o'clock in the morning. I'm coming home and and you know, creeping up into my unit quietly and mm-hmm. you know so just, I, I reckon yeah. I had a similar experience I didn't um don't know that I had the anxiety necessarily around that but in, if we talk talking about getting out and going I mean I pretty much from the time I could go out legally I was going out legally um but I always I never wanted to go anywhere where it was hard to get home mm. it wasn't about um so you know growing up the club that was down the road from my house um, the the drinks were cheap. There was lots of people that I knew that drank there, and particularly when I started playing rugby, and a lot of the guys I played rugby with used to go there as well on a Friday night. Friday night was the hot night, yeah. and it was a 10-minute walk home, less than 10-minute walk home. Yeah. Um, and I know there's been a couple of times when I've been there when I've been with you, and your reaction is, well, what if you get mugged on the way home? And I'll go, well, <laughs> walked out of, walked it dozens of times. I'm always putting him in a ditch at some point. <laughs> but um, I've, I've walked that walk dozens of times and, and never had an issue um, and feel completely comfortable in my neighbourhood as well. And I think I might have even joked with you that, you know, all the people are going to mug me at Blake's I grew up with anyway. So they yeah. tell me and go, oh, it's a tear, can't, can't, can't do that. But I didn't, I didn't want to have to, I didn't actually, probably similarly, I didn't want to have to work hard to get home. So when people go, oh, I'm going to go out in the city. No. No, I'm not going out <laughs> in the city. No, because I'm not catching a night ride bus home at three o'clock in the morning. Mm. I don't want to have to do that. And that's not going to stop at my house. It's going to stop at... Liverpool Station, so I'm then still going to have to get a taxi home from Liverpool mm. Station, and I really don't want to have to do that either. Mm. Um, I want to walk 10 minutes, or I want to go somewhere where I know there's going to be a designated driver, and I can get home mm. pretty comfortably. Um, so I would ask friends to come and pick me up, and, and, and I knew that they didn't drink. I'd mm. get them to come pick me up, and I would you know, be able to drink and then get home. Because I think there's a level of responsibility easily. that you need to take in your own... <coughs> 
you need to take yourself to make sure that you'll get, you know, I was never one of those. I could never understand that, oh, let's go get plastered on the weekend and, and just we end up where we end up. No, that can't be. That's not possible for me. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, it's it's it determines what I've done in my life, and and I've still got a great group of friends that I've grown up with, and I wish I could see them more often and spend more time with them. But um, mm. life gets in the way, as we know. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, now the our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Why is that important to you? Um, it's well, it's really important. I um, I. I know the reason why it was set up with with the, the yep with Steve tragedy with Steve, um, and I was a hundred percent behind that um, because I've always had an interest in in mental health and and suicide awareness and um, really society in general and how why people do the things they do mm. um, and having an understanding of that uh, the. I think I know that I've mentioned in the through the the um stories that the very first um death that I experienced of someone that I loved was was a suicide um when I was a, te- a young teenager and they were a young person as well and they were someone that I cared about and loved and so and really that event then triggered the rest of my life so i i became interested in society and and the way people were and and it determined what i went and studied at uni and then i went and became um someone that worked with people with disadvantage and people with um you know um things that have happened to them in their life so it's something that um that's really important to me um, because not just uh, suicide has, has I've had experience I have experienced that with different people since then a, a number of times so um, it is very important because I think like I was saying um, mental health is is just the same as physical health and it's not something that oh you got to get over that or or you know, you, or you being a sook, or something like that. It's mm. it's really a genuine physical reaction to a to an emotional issue, mm. um, and that's what I I find that. And the, I mean, there's some days where I go nearly every day. I go to work, and I'm 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 travelling to work, and I'm already anxious before I even start to walk in the door, mm. and I'm and I don't. There's nothing necessarily going on. It's just like this constant, you know, tightness and and mm. just really feeling anxious. And and a lot of what I you would notice, a lot of what I have put into the Facebook page, the stories are around childhood and and thinking around how you interact with children mm. from a young age, because I think that's really important and. You know, you'd look at that's where the foundation for how this, how every person is going to deal with their mental health. And like I said, they can have good mental health, they can have poor mental health, they can fluctuate somewhere in between there. But you need to 
make sure that you give kids the most um, the most tools they can use mm. to be able to be resilient and be able to overcome um, things that may happen in their lives um, because it's something that they're going to have to live with regardless. I mean, whether they are prone to getting having mental health conditions like people are prone to getting dermatitis or they're... You know, or whether heart disease, or yeah, there's a whole. Yeah. So you you've got to be aware of these things and then helping them. So you know, you look at a child and you say, okay, this kid is going to grow up to be an adult one day, and they're going to need to be able to draw on their their strengths and their abilities to be able to manage some crap things that might happen to them in their life. Yeah. So, you know, is this a kid who when they cried, did you did you say, oh, harden up your sook or give yeah. them a punch in the head or something? Or did you go and give them a hug and say, that it's okay. It's normal what you're feeling and this is why you're feeling it. Yeah, one of the things that um, irritates me a little bit now, um, understanding or, or thinking about mental health more, and, and there's lots of things that you think about really differently when you really start to think about mental health. But is the, you know, the when particularly little boys, um, mm. and the fact that when we when they say fall over, when little kids fall over, for example, and hurt themselves, and now, and I know we've we've probably actually we've done this, mm. but um, when you say you know come on come on you're all right you're all right you're all right just brush mm. it off brush it off, um, and really what we should be doing is just allowing the the child to actually feel that full emotional response because if they've hurt themselves they've hurt themselves. Yeah. And if they need to cry in that moment, they need to cry in that moment. Yeah. But I think what the message that we reinforce from a really young age is that, you know, you suffer this pain, but the, your first reaction needs to be to do everything you can to not yeah. experience the pain, you know. So brush it off. Because we're so conditioned to just go, oh, you'll be right. Yeah, but that's what we're doing. That's what I'm saying. That's what we're doing to yeah, little kids at the start. Yeah. So we, we, you know, so then... Rather than that, what we actually should be doing is saying, "All right, you know, cry if you need to cry, cry. If it hurt, hurt, it hurts." And now we, I think we do that differently with with our daughter. Yeah. Um, and I think you know she gets to cry, and she doesn't want to initially, and then she'll try and hold it, and then she will just unleash. And that's okay though; she gets to cry because yeah. it's fine. And so later on in life, when you, as you said, a physical, emotional pain, and no, you know, health are no different. Well, later on in life, when she experiences emotional pain, rather than go, okay, I have to brush that off and ignore that, she'll experience it fully, which she should be able to do. Hmm. And and know that it's not going to be a constant thing. It's going to be something that she'll she'll get upset about it now, and then it, she'll overcome that. It'll 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 disappear after a period of time. Yeah, she she'll work her way through it. And it'll be fine. And in the same way that you fall over and hit your knee and it hurts and a bit of pain dissipates over a period of time and then you, mm. you go back to being reasonably okay unless it's a more serious injury. Mm. Um, and even then you still have to treat that, you know. Well, emotional pain does the same thing. And if it's a more serious emotional injury, then you have to treat that in mm. the same way you would treat a physical injury. You'd have mm. to go and do more to actually fix that up. Yeah, that's right. And I like to make sure, like you're talking about our daughter, I like to make sure that I explain things to her a lot. I want to explain 
you know, this is how you're feeling now and that's why you're feeling that. And actually that's how I used to feel when I was your age and this happened to me and that happened to me because I think it's really important that you share those types of things with your kids so that they understand that, mm. you know, you've overcome certain things as well in your life that they, they don't have to be scared or they don't have to feel bad or or they know that if they feel bad now, it's not going to be forever. It's going to be for a period of time and then you know th- things will be starting to look up again for yeah. them yeah. so that's um it's really really important with the kids to um just make sure that you're there for them all the time like um i remember when i was a teenager and i'd be there'd be times where i'd just sit in my room listen to music whatever you're doing then but i'd be just crying about things and i'd just sit there and cry about life and I used to just think about, you know, I would think about something that happened five years earlier and I'd sit there and cry about it. Mm. I couldn't imagine it, to think that my daughter would be, I mean, she's only little now, but if she'd be in a bedroom crying to herself about something and I wouldn't know about it, I, w- I couldn't imagine that. What I'm, I would suggest, and it's just amateur psychology hour, so, you know, Take this what you will. I'd suggest that the reason that you're then doing that then is because at the time it happened, you didn't get the chance to process it. Yeah, maybe. So, you you, you know, at the time you happened, the response was, get up, dust yourself off, get on with it, you'll be right, you're tough, come on, come on, come mm. on, love, you'll be good, you'll be okay. Mm. Um, and, and it's held with you, held with you, held with you, and we have to process it at some point. Mm. You, know, you have to deal with it at some point. So... You know, two years, three years, four years, five years later, you sit there and then you process it and then you cry over it. And you have that appropriate emotional response that you should have been allowed to have five years beforehand. Mm. And I may have been allowed to have it. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not anything against... I don't even think my parents realised that I would be always that upset. Yeah. yeah. So it's not something like, oh, mum and dad didn't even care about me. No. Because that's not the case at all. No, they were very Um, good parents. But they... But back then, in those days, it was just like, oh, you know, get over it. Stop stop crying. Stop carrying on. Stop being a sook. You know? I think our generation is the first generation where um, there'll be a real connection between parents and a different connection between parents and kids in that way. Um, you know, I like I've said this on the podcast, I didn't really understand my mum's mental health until I had a diagnosis at 32, 33 years of age. Um, or 31, 30, 31 years of 31 years of age. So I didn't really get it until then. Um, and I certainly wasn't something that I could say to you that I knew was happening growing up. I didn't understand it. I didn't see it. I didn't know that it was there. So I just didn't get that. But, um, you know, our children, where we're, they're, they're understanding what we're doing, you know, particularly... Mm-hmm. Our older daughter, she's getting it. She understands some of the mental health stuff we're doing. She understands what we're trying to achieve with the podcasts and the Facebook page and the Instagram posts. She gets, you know, and we're also, I think we're one of the first generations that are saying to our kids, look, we don't actually really know how to do this parenting thing. We're figuring this out as we go along. So let's figure it out together. Let's actually try and work this out between us. Mm. Whereas... I don't, I can't, like, I don't know that my parents ever did that and I can't imagine that your parents would ever have have done that. And again, not a criticism, it's just that was a generational thing, that was how it was. 
kids weren't seen as fully-fledged emotional beings. Mm. So we weren't given that opportunity to express ourselves or properly or fully. We'll do it differently. And it's just that the change in how people are treating each other. Mm. And it's also now, you know, understanding that mental health is a, is an actual thing that people have to be can take into consideration and people need to understand. And recently our, our youngest daughter, I heard, you know, because as we know, there's a lot in the media now about mental health and men's mental health and people overall and suicide rates and that sort of thing. And, and they were talking about mental health on the, on a, on the news and our youngest daughter, she said, look, mum, it's about mental health. It's about mental health. It's what do you and daddy do, you know. So even though she doesn't understand the full concept of the whole thing, she still is already now understanding that that, that is something yeah. that is important and something that, you know, and I, I was like, oh, that's really good because I know that that's going to help her in the future if she ever suffers from something um, it's not going to be shameful for her to go and say, well, this is what's happening for yeah. me right now. And both of her parents will understand and support and, you know, not, you know, not 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 feel any kind of stigma towards what she's going through. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But the, and as you know, with me as well, something more that I deal with is the fact that I rem- remember... Oh, God. Everything. So I have... Folks, it is the bane of my existence. (laughs) She remembers everything. Yes. Go on. In quite fine detail. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, it was on this afternoon. We were here. We were going there. You were wearing this. Okay, yes, I said it. All right, go on. You were wearing this. I was wearing that. And we ate this for lunch and we did that. Mm -hmm. And remember? Yeah. (laughs) Well, see, I have... I have this ability, which is great in a lot of sense, in a lot of cases, and then not so great in others. Very handy sometimes. But what happens is, what happens is, it it makes me stay in all of the memories that I have. So I will remember something in absolute fine detail, and it could have happened twenty years ago, and it will be as if it happened a month ago to me. Hmm. So that's where, you know, layered on top of this anxiety and and depression, is this ability to to relive the feelings and the emotions over and over and over again. So, like I've seen our youngest daughter, she's you know at school and having you know she has had some anxiety issues around that, and I remember being her age. And being having my own anxiety at school and how that felt, mm. and being feeling sort of left out of of everything and and feeling really alone and upset, and and that to me makes it really it hurts me even more when I see her go through that because I know exactly how it feels because mm. it, to me it's like it happened last week. Mm. Unfortunately for us. Um, the, the good thing, and this is the other thing I say about us as well, as parents at this point, we get, we're now investigating. We're not just saying, oh, you're being silly, you know, get on with it. We're now saying, well, is there a reason why you're feeling like this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is someone picking on you? Is someone 
hurting you or as someone, you know, what's happening behind this? And to the best of our knowledge, nothing's happening. Mm. You know, the teachers are reporting that she's, you know, happy and well-adjusted and well-liked. The, um, you know, mm. other people involved in her care are reporting the same. So really there's no reason other than there's something in her head that just says, I don't want to do it. And the other part of her personality is, is once she says, I don't want to do something, that's it. Mm, yeah. She's stubborn as a mule. Mm. Um, for you, just touching on your memory thing as well, though, that, uh, you know, perhaps one of my observations, and I certainly know that, is it makes it really hard for you. You know, you talked before about, you know, the, the anxious part of your brain and the, the logical part of your brain. It Because you are so connected to those memories and that emotional which is the anxious part of your brain is the emotional part of your brain, the emotions mm. that those memories bring up for you, it, it probably also makes it hard for you to kind of logically say, well, that's gone now and I, and it was a good memory and it was a great time, but I need to I can't, move, off, I move can't, on. I have a really hard time moving on from things. Even happy things, like happy things is like really good times in your life. But they're now causing you pain because... See, what you do is you hold on to the really difficult, tough things more so. Like you remember happy things, you go, oh, I remember when that happened and da-da-da, and you have this whole conversation Mm. around it. But the things that cause you the most heartache are things like the breakups with the boyfriends and this this person rejected me and this happened and that happened. And, you know, I know... And... (laughs) It's weird because I've only recent, not recently, but I've only, as an adult, discovered that people, that what I remember and how I remember is unusual. Like I always thought that everybody remembered stuff like that. So when I would tell stories or, or go into huge detail about something and, then, oh, you know, I don't even remember that. And I'd say, well, how can you not What's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you remember that? But it's something that I can do more so than some other yeah. people do. So it just keeps me it keeps me in in that moment, in that time. It keeps me in that time all the time. Mm. And you know it because you've you've gone through <laughs> You've gone through it with me. Yep. <laughs> which which one do you want me to talk about? None of them. <laughs> None of those moments. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I should. That's horrible to laugh. You I shouldn't should laugh at your pain. You no. No, that's awful. I'm not a, being a very good. But see, this is where people go. Now. Oh, you should get over it. It's like, yeah, I should. I know. I'd love to, but I'd. I just... Well, it's the key to being. It... <laughs> The key to overcoming that emotional response part of your brain, which is the anxiety part of your brain, the amygdala, is also um, being able to engage the logical part of your brain. And I think with you, the emotional part and the the, the memories of the emotions, are, or the, the 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 memories of the emotions are attached to, are so strong that the logical part of your brain doesn't stand a chance. Hmm. You know, you, you you I can logic you and say to you. So, for example, I mean the the example I'm thinking of is your childhood home when it was when it was demolished, and there's a chance you may cry on the podcast now, I'm folks. Not going to. No, please don't. Um, but when it was demolished, now you hadn't lived in the home since you were eighteen, seventeen, eighteen. Um, it hadn't been your home for at that stage. 
I don't know. Nearly 20 years? More than that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. No, it was about 20 years at that stage because mm. our younger daughter was a baby. Um, but so to me, that's no longer your home. And to me, yes, no, no, you, no, 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 no. Yes, you. <laughs> Yeah, now here we go, folks. This is this this is this response in action on the podcast right now. You're hearing it live. It wasn't your home, and logically, I can sit here and say to you, you hadn't lived there for twenty years. Whatever memories that you had were simply that memories. You 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 hadn't been there last week living those memories, but in your brain, you had been. Um, it wasn't your home anymore. And when it was sold and when it was knocked down and, and they built townhouses on it, mm-hmm. yes, that was a traumatic mm-hmm. event for you. But it was probably, because of what you've described, it was probably more traumatic than it should have been because the logical part of your brain, as I said, doesn't stand a chance. It doesn't... It, it, I can be logical, by the way. You can be very logical, but in that instance, when the emotions are on a rampage, you don't... It doesn't get a, doesn't get a look in. And, and that... Uh, well, look at... You might be correct. <laughs> oh, goodness me. All right. Hey, guess what? It's um, nearly an hour. So the final question I'd like to one? ask people. Well, well you keep I've telling. got a lot to say, you know. I know. Well, you, you know what? You could, we live together. <laughs> we can podcast we can anytime up. you want. Well, hang up. We're not on the phone, are we? <laughs> no. Let's just hang up now. It's 1985. <laughs> we can, Off we the can, tree. Literally. You first. You first. You hang up first. The final question I always ask people is, is what is your number one tip for staying mentally healthy? I don't have one because I'm not mentally healthy. I don't, I don't know. Oh, do chocolate? Just win the lotto and be happy. <laughs> No, you want me to win the lotto so you don't have to work anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, well, I think it's important. Um, let me see. What can I? What's the most important? Well, you're. you're sorry, answer. answer for me. No, you answer. No, you, well, no, 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 no. You answer. Um, no, I, I think it's important to make sure that you maintain the relationships that you have with friends as well as family. Um, and I know that for me it's hard to do that and I find that that um, I'm a little bit – I find that I'm isolated at times and maybe I isolate myself, I don't know. Yeah. And I think that um, with things like Facebook, it's really easy to just see what yeah. they're doing. And, Done a couple of posts on that. Yeah. yeah. And and just go, oh, yeah, they're, oh, they're having a great time, they're catching up. You know they're doing this now, but I haven't actually, but not actually been able to see them and talk to them and touch them and say, you know, oh, here you are, my my lifelong friend. Mm. But I think so the, uh, the trap of social media. The way I always say it to people is, there's a big difference between watching you two live on YouTube and watching you two live at the City Cricket Ground, mm. and that's that's the difference. Yeah, so I think it's important. For everybody to make sure that even in the middle of all this busy times that everybody has, that you still make time to see people outside of work, outside of things that you're doing just as a regular day-to-day. You really need to make sure that you... Make that space. You do that because, you know, I know whenever I do that, I always come away feeling 
revitalized and um yeah i think that's most important the other question i have question without notice for reasons we okay. won't really go into but you are oh, about to have a bit, a bit of spare scared. time in your hands oh yeah what, you, what were you scared of? What do you think I was going to ask I you? I don't know. You never you, know with you. You, you pull things out of a hat. I was going to proposition you or something. No. Um, what are you going to do? What? What? I put you under pressure. What's something you're going to do to for fun, for recreation, for you, a new hobby, a new oh. idea, a new thing that you're going to do? What are you going to do? I haven't even really thought about it yet, but I know that I want to do a lot of um, physical exercise, so walking and yep. doing something to that description. Are you going to get skinny and hot? Oh, I'm never or gonna, hotter? I'm never going to be skinny. <laughs> it's not the way I'm built. I'm never going to be overly fat either. <laughs> Keep going. And I'm always going to be hot. Right. Even when I'm an old lady, which I'm heading that direction. Yeah, I know. Hmm. Mm. Grey hairs now. No, not no, not yeah. as many as you. <laughs> On that it's, note, it's always a competition, apparently. <laughs> On that note, thank you, darling. Well, thank you. That's that's all husband. you have. To, that's all you have to do. I know. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Rowan. <laughs> Hopefully, you found this enjoyable. If oh. you've liked the podcast, yes, I hope you have. Um, share it with your but friends. Maybe you haven't. <laughs> share it with your friends. Uh, look for us on Instagram. Look for us on Facebook. This podcast might go up a little bit later than the others, just Why? because um because I'm busy to on Friday night. Oh my God. And you just do it when you get home. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, but uh, like I said, like us, share it with your friends. Like us on Facebook. Like us on Instagram. Uh, if you like some of the content, please let us know because we I love to hear. We love to hear um, great feedback from people, and we've had some great feedback recently. But in uh, before, but in the meantime, be good to each other. Thank you, darling. Bye. Bye now. Bye. Bye.